0: Welcome back to the Electrify Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Well, hello again. I'm Matt Teske, and this is the Electrify News Podcast. I always want to get you to giggle joe this so is
1: because you're like you have this like face this like stern like i'm doing business i'm matt tesky professional and then like as soon as we start recording you're like hey
0: yeah well hey man i mean I, this i'm happy to do do the podcast uh this is we've got we got a lot of fun stuff we're going to talk about this week and it's kind of all over the map like it's a bunch of different little touch points of where evs are kind of you know playing a part in the world i guess Right. I think
1: that's fair. But, you know, speaking of different parts of the world, you were in, in a different part of the world this week. You were in Texas, I think, right?
0: So uh, Anaheim. This, yeah, this one was Anaheim. Yeah. For the, uh, the RE plus conference. And uh, again, predominantly a solar conference, uh, you know, for, you know, for years past, uh, but they're wanting to make it more focused on renewable energies. And, and so they brought out a lot of different, uh, you know, people. I mean, this, this week, I think they had 30,000 people there at, at one point during one day. So wow. it was, it was a huge conference. Um and a lot of great conversation. But with regard to electric vehicles, you could tell that the conversation was still fairly fresh um, because in the world of solar, I mean, that, so the solar industry has been around for a long time. And home energy now, be, you know, energy storage becoming a part of the conversation. That's really been their world. It really hasn't been about transportation. It's just been about energy. And so the opportunity I had to, to speak this week was in regards to really opening up that conversation for people at the conference around how do, you know, how do people that have solar home, for example, how does that impact their, how they fill up, for example, you know, and, and how can they be thinking about that as installers? And then some of these people are getting into home charging installations and things like that. So that was, that was really, again, just another example of we're tying together energy and automotive and some of these conversations have just not been had yet by certain people in the space. So.
1: Well, and I think it's hard too, because, you know, and, and this is something that you, I'm sure, deal with all the time with through Chargeway Is there doesn't seem to be a common language that everybody speaks, right? You know, you've got some people talking about 50 kilowatts and they're talking about amp hours and everything else. You've got some people talking about level one, level two, level three. And then Electrify America had they had kind of like a bizarre announcement last week, too, where they were talking about like hyper fast charging and ultra-fast charging. And I gotta tell you, I read it two or three times, I'm still not. Sure, which one is better?
0: Well, and and honestly, that's that's kind of the universal response, which is okay. These are words that sound great, but how does this help people actually navigate charging? And
1: and and it's like such a thing. It's like such a knee-jerk response, right? Because as soon as there's a new charging technology, it's going to be hyper ultra fast charging.
0: Well, that's and yeah, there were people on social media actually asking them that, saying, "Okay, so you've gone to this, you know, the level you've gone to with using these words that all both sound great so what's the next step and exactly how you said it is just we just keep adding on more words that are superlatives that sound awesome you know and and that's the thing is it's marketing for marketing's sake that overcomplicates what should be simple um you know and that's and that's again i think we're you know the the work that we've been doing you're
1: too bashful to give yourself the plug here but i mean i think what chargeway did was really brilliant because you had level one level two level three and you broke it up in a kind of reasonable way. And right now, you know, at one point it stopped at level six, there was new technology that arrived and it was easy enough to just put a number seven in there. Right. And if there's another huge jump, it's just level eight.
0: You know, that's, that's the point is, is you can just grow it. It's an expandable language that anybody from anywhere around the world can use and understand. It's if we're trying to categorize things in a way that people can visualize it quickly and understand the options, that's the way to do it. And if, and if, we what I think we're seeing is networks. I mean, Electrify America included is they're realizing they can't promise an exact kilowatt. And we told them that five years ago when we met with them, saying this is going to be a problem. And so what we're seeing now is okay, but as a network, they're not. They're doing this on behalf of their own their own needs. And each network, unfortunately, is potentially going to go this direction. I mean, Tesla did it years ago with supercharging, right? And so that's already started, so, so, you know, started to happen. So, but again, our position on it, you know, through Chargeway is to say, look, it doesn't matter which car you drive, you need to know how to navigate the charging that works for you. And it doesn't matter which network you decide to use through something like Chargeway, you can see easily what it provides you based on the color matching your your plug color for your car, for the station, and then showing you power levels in a way that's very easy to differentiate visually. So that's, yeah, we have people coming up to us asking, like, can you tell us the difference between hyper and ultra? because how would you guess that? And I said, yeah, it's real simple. Like, you know, ultra is level six hyper is level seven. <laughs>
1: but it's scary too, right? Because we want people to go to EVs. We want people to do the environmentally sound thing and stop burning fossil fuels, or at least burn them more efficiently in a power plant than in an internal combustion engine. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we want. There's a lot of reasons we want this to happen. And I think it's gotta be scary. Cause like, you know, if you're getting into an EV for the first time and you don't really have all the information, you haven't seen Chargeway yet, you know, yeah. you're going to pull up to this network and you've been told by the dealer, hey, I can just go up and charge for free and you're going to get there and yeah. it's going to be sketchy.
0: Well, and that's and that's becoming a, a prominent issue with, again, the dealers don't know what they don't know and they're told something by an OEM rep to say, keep it simple. Just tell them that they can charge from 20 to 80% in 20 minutes or something like that. The problem is they just take that at face value like everyone does, which is to say, OK, so if you go to a fast thingy, that's how long it takes. The answer is no. <laughs> There's some things you have to navigate and figure out. So I think that, again, what what we're seeing is something that, you know, again, from Chargeway's perspective is we recognized an issue that would be a communication hurdle for years to come. And we developed out something that would make it easier for any vehicle, for any network, for any location for a driver to say, well, I can use this and it makes sense uh, because that's what the industry needs. So
1: but you ran into this. Um, I swear we talked about this in in New York where you ran into some rental guy that the guy had rented a Tesla and he was just stuck. He was sitting there with like the the level two adapter at the (laughs) level sixty and he's just like, what do I do here? And the fact that there there wasn't even the right terms to discuss it with him. Yeah. No, 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 use this at home. And now it's gonna get even worse, right? Because Tesla just showed a uh, a CSS, CCS? Uh, so
0: CSS yeah.
1: Yeah. charging adapter. Yep. So now, now it's gonna get real ugly out there for people writing these things.
0: Well that's the thing, is it's so and and we, for example, we were prepared for that, you know, with our platform. So once we knew that announcement was coming, so we already had it built into our system that you can go into your filters if you're a Tesla owner and choose, I want to use my green fast charging adapter. Click, and then it turns on those stations on on the map, and you can go back and check out which ones those are. And it oh, differentiates wow. between fast and the fast adapter for CCS or the standard adapter for for J1772, which is the green level one and two adapter. So again, we we saw this coming. <laughs> I hate to like you know you know beat our you know you know beat our chest and pound you know and, and toot our horn but it's like we did and and it is going to continue to get worse. What's um, the
1: point of sponsoring your own podcast if you can't talk about your own thing?
0: I know it's just I I I don't like being someone who draws attention to myself. Well no, but um, I mean
1: we're 249 episodes in we
0: can talk about it a little bit yeah, well, well, I think what's, what's great, though, is it's becoming much more obvious. And again, I will becoming say in the more last... Obvious. And I think I,
1: that's exactly right. And yeah. it's going to continue to be more obvious as more EVs get on the road. And, you know, you read the headlines every day about these massive expansions in these factories and GMs putting $490 million into, you know, in, into Indiana. They're putting $2 billion into their Orion factory in Michigan. Volvo is spending another $50 million to expand South Carolina. Toyota is expanding in West Virginia. This is billions and billions of dollars being pumped into the U.S., theoretically into the U.S. economy, you know, to ramp up production and manufacturing. This seems like a big deal, right?
0: Well, it's, the, what I think is interesting is, is you have industry making big you know, big decisions and making waves. And you also have policy making big decisions and making waves, right? So what, what I will say concerns me is that the money being spent, it's not just that if you throw money in a problem, it'll solve it. You have to have a plan right and i think the cars are proving that they're going to be i mean great cars i think we're going to see great evs on the road from various oems they they will solve the battery you know supply chain needs that they that they will have to you know manage they will get that figured out they will build quality cars that have a big battery in it they can go up to you know 300 miles or so that's going to happen it's going to turn into where's the other money being spent on infrastructure and how that's being rolled out and how is that translating to people that Need to, they might fall in love with a Chevy Blazer EV, you know, or a Mach E, and they might say, This is the the car that I love, but they still have to go and use that other product. And that's again the conference at RE Plus this week, talking to people about the product we're asking them to switch to is from gasoline to electricity as a fuel type, watching eyebrows kind of go up and say, I haven't thought of it that way. But it's like we've been saying it at Chargeway now for five years, and and it's it's still very true, and it's going to be true for a long time. So
1: it's going to be true. I think well into 2030, 2035, you know, and we talk about these deadlines like 2035 is when a lot of these ZEV states kick in and the mandates kick in where they're, and and, and they're not real bans, right? They're not internal combustion bans, commercial vehicles, pickup trucks, things like that for work vehicles. They're still going to be internal combustion. We're talking about passenger car internal combustion mandates. Um, But, you know, it's funny how you see some groups embrace it, um and some people fight it like Minnesota dealer group just came out today and said this is illegal you can't yeah. mandate that what we sell kind of thing so there's going to be fights along the way but it, it, you got to get the sense that like the EV crowd is winning right because you have companies like Uber that are stepping up and saying 2035 that feels like that's too far away we're going to do this by 2030 and that was the announcement that they did this week which is by 2030 every car every ride that you hail on Uber is going to be in an EV.
0: Yeah, that's a, and that's a big announcement. Um, and because think about the people that are in the gig economy that are driving for Uber that this is I mean they make a living doing this. They they already had standards for what you know what your vehicle had to be to be a part of those you know the Uber program, but this is a big switch. Now in the next 8 years we're going to see a lot more used EVs hit the market. So people that may have said, you know what, I can't run out and buy a $50,000 EV right now, maybe in five or six years, they can say, I'm buying one that was $60,000 brand new five years ago. I'm buying it today for, you know, 30,000 used or $25,000 used. You don't know. That I think will help there. But again, we still got to see the cars come to market. It's going to be a big deal for them to make that, that change over. And also what's the language? Is it a pure electric? Is it a plug-in hybrid that has both gas and electric for fuel? You know, so there may be some wiggle room there depending on how things go with product. Um, but I will say the policy... Aspect of things that that's happened with, the, for example, the Inflation Reduction Act, that made some big changes in how OEMs are planning on produ- producing here in North America. So I I do think that in the long term that'll be helpful, especially to initiatives like we're seeing from Uber uh, for what they want their you know their drivers to do. So, but we've got eight years to see how that plays out, and eight years is going to go fast.
1: Eight is- years is going to go fast, but. There's some interesting things that Uber is doing, right? Like they have some programs with companies like Hertz where you can rent an EV at a discounted rate and drive it for Uber so that they, in in a sense, they're essentially offsetting that. But I think what you mentioned in the Inflation Reduction Act and those tax credits is really smart because when you look at a company like Hertz that's been buying up Teslas and they're buying up tens of thousands of Polestars, and now I think they're buying 160,000 uh, GM. Yeah, one hundred seventy
0: five thousand vehicle. GM vehicles. Hundred. So.
1: That's huge. That's a
0: huge number. And again, in electric vehicles, not just GM vehicles. They're electric. Yeah, that's the
1: electric plan. GM yeah. vehicles. One hundred seventy five thousand. That are are they getting a tax credit on each and every one of those vehicles? Because that's got to be just a huge tax save.
0: Oh, for hertz yeah. yeah, I would. I would again. If they're purchasing them, then yes, I would imagine so. Um, at the same time. Again, thinking about this is you have, I mean, Hertz is, I mean, making a huge move on their fleet for how they're going to go about this. And every time I've traveled you know, recently, if I've had to get a car, I have rented an electric through Hertz. And and I wanted to get a sense for what was the process like to do this. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, they send out emails in advance saying, hey, like, you know, like, are you prepared? You know, this is how you can drive. I think that there will still be a learning curve for people renting electric vehicles through Hertz Differentiating between, for example, a Model Y or a Model Three, which you can get between a or, or Polestar Two, or what inevitably might be a Blazer EV or an Equinox EV. I mean, they're, they're going to have to be able to help people navigate, you know, how that works from a landscape perspective when you're getting it and driving and, and going and charging it. I mean, for example, if you rent a Tesla from them, you can just go to a Tesla supercharger and plug it in and just charge, you know. And, and that's because that's how Teslas work. If you rent another brand of EV, what is the process like for going and paying for filling up with electricity at various other networks. I mean, so these are things that are, they're, they're going to have to provide some clarity around that to to people renting their cars. So
1: Yeah. And I, it's going to be a challenge that not only hurts, but every rental car company is going to- Avis,
0: Dollar, yeah. Enterprise. I mean, they're, they're all going to go 100%. this direction. Yeah. So think about everything we talked about before, before we move on. I, I think really thinking about what the GM Hertz deal does is, is, is it, it's exposing a lot more opportunity for people to get into an EV that may not have thought of it, but- Again, I, I, I'm really curious to see the process for how Hertz and other other rental car companies are going to go about getting people prepared to make that decision to rent that particular car. And it's not just that they're adding these vehicles to their fleet. It looks like there's intent to start to thin out how many combustion engine cars they do have in their fleet, because at the end of the day, they do save money on having these cars in their fleet. There's a lot less that has to happen to fixing them. And that's, and that should be the case for, you know, if we're talking whether it's Tesla or Pulsar or GM, and so I imagine we'll see things, you know, happen with other OEMs. Ford is a good example where they're going to say, hey, we want to add more vehicles to Avis's fleet or dollars fleet or who knows what, as we kind of talk about. But I think that there's there's going to have to be in the same way with the public and why we have the expo is there's going to have to be a concerted effort to help people really feel confident on how to use these cars. Um, because I, I'm getting that in the times I've you know been able to drive a, an electric car through Hertz. I'm getting the hint and the the sensation that they're kind of relying on people that already know about this stuff that just had to be traveling for work or business or, or even for, you know, for pleasure. So I don't know. That's the impression I've gotten.
1: I've gotten that impression as well, where they kind of like, well, you know, the people who are asking for EVs know about these things, but I think that's not true. I think the people who are asking about EVs are people who are curious. Sure. who are looking at this as an opportunity to see like, how is this going to work for me? Mm -hmm. And if there's a hiccup like that, you know, most people, early adopters, people who are very tech savvy, they
0: can forgive hiccups. Yeah, they'll the weather the storm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They'll weather the storm. But, you know, I, I was talking to Zachary Shahan at Clean Technica and I was kind of picking on him for having a Model 3, which I, I know you have as well. And I was trying to talk to him about build quality and I, I just <laughs> made the joke and I said, and I said, listen, let me tell you something about my Volvo versus your Tesla. I have never had to snap any body panels back into place. <laughs> and he goes, I haven't had to do that that many times, like that many times.
0: times. <laughs> yeah, that many times. You didn't say never, you know. It's it's right, it, it, it reminds times. me of yeah. It's like the Cavalier I had in high school. It's like oh man, like every day it was like trying to wedge a piece of foam in to keep it from squeaking. You know, like you know, how do I make <laughs> this thing not drive me nuts? No, I mean that. Yeah, that is. That is something that yeah they will have to contend with uh, whether we're talking about you know a rental company or just people in general just saying yeah there's a difference here oh sure um, I mean
1: think about the training they you're you're checking this thing out and you're getting a pole star and the kid behind the counter has only been trained on the Tesla and he just tells you yeah you just pull up plug it in you're good to go you try that on Electrify America it's not going to work you try that on a Charge Point station it's not going to work.
0: Depending on the car. Yeah. And actually, there's a recent announcement. This is the other thing, too, is, is what's happening with that technology, you know, referred to as plug and charge. And how will that help brands like, you know, for example, Hertz? that are saying, hey, we have multiple vehicles that you can choose from, and you have to use these particular networks to get a plug and charge experience. Um, they just announced uh, yesterday, EVGO rather, they, EVGO as a network announced that they are adding more cars to what they're calling their auto charge platform, which is effectively plug in charge, where you, Plug the car into a certain network charger and it will automatically start charging you. Now, that's again the the Tesla experience right now that you can offer that Hertz can offer people. Do they have to be thinking about this in advance for other brands they bring under the fold for their rental fleet? Yes. But then to your point, how do they explain that? Like, how are they going about it? No, no, you have to go to this network to have that experience. Otherwise, you get out your credit card, et cetera. So the navigation of how to use the fuel, yet again, is an important topic as we're seeing these large companies create opportunity for people to be driving and getting behind the wheel of these EVs. But as you said, if they have a bad experience as you know renting one, how does that bode it doesn't bode well for these brands to say, well, we're selling it you know to the public. And the public can say, yeah, I rented one when I took my family to Disney World. And frankly, I was not satisfied for whatever reason it might be. Who's managing that relationship? Is it Hertz? Is it the OEM? Is it the networks? Right now it's up in the air.
1: Right now it's up in the air. And I worry about that because you know, somebody could get into a Polestar two, which is a great vehicle. And if they don't read the tea leaves properly, that Hertz is laid out for them. They're going to end up charging in, you know, at a level two in a Walgreens for four and a half hours. And think that that's the experience where if they had gone two blocks down the road, they would have been in and out of there in 10 minutes. Yep. It's a scary, scary thing because I don't think the average person is going to have a bad experience. Let's say with a Nissan Leaf or a Chevy Bolt or what, it doesn't matter. It's, I don't think they're going to have a bad charging experience because they were let down by the rental agency and by the communication mm-hmm. and have enough sense of that to say, you know, well, that didn't work for me. Maybe the Tesla will. Maybe the Chevy will. Maybe the Volkswagen yeah. will. Maybe the Volvo will. They're going to just say, well, that's it. Electric cars aren't ready yet.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's and what this what this is. This conversation is revealing is there's a lot of evidence that there's still like passing of the buck when it comes to who's oh, yeah. educating on this. And and that came up at the RE Plus conference on a few of the panels that were related TVs was a question of how do we help people understand this better? And, you know, and there was some, you know, you know, commentary around, well, yeah, there's a good variety of cars. Maybe, as you just said, maybe they'll just keep trying different cars, maybe through renting or leasing. I'm thinking, can, you know, people as they shop, I mean, once bitten, twice shy, you know, yeah. you 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 find yourself saying, Yeah, I tried it and I didn't like it. And it could have simply been that whole issue that they may have encountered could have been resolved by just simply having better, more clear, transparent information for what they need to know. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a champion of that in this industry and I will continue to be through Chargeway and, and what our team does. And I think that there's opportunity for us to work with, you know, companies like Hertz as an example and, and say, look, you're renting multiple different brands of EVs. There's, it's not it's not universal for how people are going to own it, you know, operate these vehicles when they lease them or rather let, rent them from you. So, hey, we can help with that, you know? So, if only there was an
1: opportunity... Maybe in Texas to get some of these charging networks together with mm. utilities. Maybe on a stage and have somebody who understands this communication. But like an industry day, a conversation like an
0: industry day. Yeah, I see, that I people could go to this. This sounds like a good idea, and I think it'd be really great to hold it. Maybe you know on a Friday, end of a week, and then lead people into I an mean, experience where they can. Talk about it more by experiencing the products.
1: That would be cool. Like, so you talk about it on Friday, you get kind of all the movers and shakers together in an industry day someplace cool someplace like circuit of the americas in austin oh, that'd, be,
0: that'd be a great some venue
1: McLarens out on the track making some noise get you know going real fast with well, if they were electric
0: I mean, mclaren's I'd be, I'd be even more excited but i hear they're plugging hybrids that's a p1 yeah, that's, that's nice so no, that's true i'm not, i'm being picky but okay so
1: what, we're, what we're alluding to of course <laughs> is uh the iia show in hanover where all of the truck companies are showing <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a pivot no a pivot man that's a good one S- such a soft plug for for industry at electric expo in Austin but no but this is another thing we're having all this transport, you know transportation electrification happening not just in cars that everyday people are buying but in medium and heavy-duty trucking and yeah that that space is it's actually a little more exciting than most people know because most people probably aren't talking about it daily
1: they're not talking about it and you know so at IA one of our friends in the industry uh, is is a guy named Aaron who runs Wave wireless charging, right? They used to be go by another company but now they now they go by Wave. They were they were purchased recently by Ideanomics and they showed off 500 kilowatt yeah. induction charging.
0: So it's and and the claim they made I think it was, was 15 minutes, I think is what it was. 15 minutes to 80% charge on a
1: on like a 500 kilowatt hour battery.
0: Well, and that's where the math doesn't work. Um <laughs> Because and I this and there was people that responded to that saying so they were saying so it was a 500 kilowatt wireless charge on a 500 kilowatt hour battery and it got to 80 percent in 15 minutes. So here,
1: so here's here's the 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 segment on that.
0: Yeah, the the
1: vehicle that they were using to show this off and and actually most of the ones like the new Mercedes Benz that they just showed that has an e axle, mm-hmm. the new Volvo VN 900e that has the and the Freightliner e Cascadia. They have these electric axles. They don't have a motor and a drive shaft and they have separate batteries, battery packs that each are about 180 to 125 kilowatt hour. And they're in the front, in the middle and in the back of the chassis. And these pads that are in the ground, each one of them is like 500 kilowatts. And the way that they have it like driven over, there's multiple pads charging the battery packs individually
0: that's so. That's yeah. That's the thing. And so I had a conversation with someone of uh, about uh, from I think it was Daimler about this about how you know the separation of the packs and how they can be treated as separate you know again separate fill up points and yes. whether we're talking wireless or connected that's a, that's how it can work. So you then either a have two wireless pads three wireless pads you pull over and each of these separate you know cumulatively total five hundred kilowatt hour batteries are being charged up in chunks. So if you're yeah. putting five hundred kilowatts into you know, 150 kilowatt hour battery pack. Okay. I, then, then you can start having your argument around like, wow, that's going to be fast. And then you just do that across a series of, you know, various, you know, battery packs. Exactly. truck. And
1: yeah. then what's really cool about that is if you look at like some of the patent drawings that are coming out for the Silverado EV that are implying that it can, it can kind of separate the two battery packs. You can plug mm-hmm. in two fast chargers at the same time yeah. and charge each separate battery pack very, very quickly. And then, unplug them and then it essentially goes back to being working as one battery again, there's going to be some really slick stuff there. And, you know, again, we're talking about GM, talking about Mercedes is in this conversation. Now, Nikola showed their European spec.
0: They're they're sticking around. They're sticking around. They're they. I think they're
1: about to deliver number 50.
0: Yeah.
1: And like, you know, obviously the e-Cascadia, our friend Fred Liguri out there. Oh yeah. Fred. Go Fred. (laughs) So we'll send this one to him, make sure he gets excited about it. <laughs> but uh, our good friend, Fred up there at
0: but there, but there is a name missing from this conversation.
1: There's a name missing from this conversation. And um, when do you, it's been five years now since we first saw the Tesla Semi. Five years. Frito-Lay, Pepsi Frito-Lay ordered a hundred of these things. I know that uh, UPS ordered a bunch. Walmart Budweiser ordered,
0: ordered some too, I thought. Something like that, yeah. So we've
1: got Tens of millions of dollars of deposits in there. Mm-hmm. Really big name companies, lots of eyes on this thing.
0: Where is it? They
1: haven't built <laughs> one yet, right? Yeah, where
0: where, where is it? No, I, I I what was the last time you know Elon was captured even talking about this from a time frame perspective? Oh, the
1: uh, the cyber rodeo.
0: Yeah, but I I I think he last claimed it would be end of this year for first deliveries. Um so I mean, if I recall, didn't he say I mean, that in 2019 again, in it's all a blur. Yeah. Hey, man, a car is going to drive itself from New York to LA <laughs> last week, you know. Oh. So, but, well, but well, we didn't
1: we didn't plan on talking about this, but it, this brings up a good point. Yeah, you know, the the electric vehicle revolution is kind of happening at the same time as the autonomous vehicle thing
0: is happening. Interestingly, and just, yeah, yeah, autonomy almost started before EVs really started getting their moment.
1: Yeah, but the the how this was explained to me by some of the guys at Sybrus was that like you know, a lot of these systems pull so much juice that the new 400 volt and 800 volt systems are just better at processing power at handling these computing powers than the old 12 volt systems were. Oh, so it's know, been really ahead. been able to accelerate that development. Um and and kind of looking at that it's interesting to kind of see that, like the biggest name in autonomous driving, even though their technology debatable, right? Is, right now, is Tesla because they are kind of synonymous with EVs. I mean, they're getting sued left and right. You're seeing videos of these things running over, you know, uh, running over model toddlers and steering into bike lanes and everything. And I, I don't know that that's unusual. I mean, I if you if you turned on your Mercedes EQS automated or you're you know self-driving volvo automated and like i don't say bad stuff about volvo but here we are i don't think (laughs) it could do significantly better but like you know they're marketing it in a different way they're not calling it self-driving they're calling it like you know pilot assist or oh no yeah
0: the name's like like gm's super cruise yeah i mean like the
1: cruise great example right so you know, now that there's lawsuits surrounding autopilot and full self-driving and things like that, do you think we're going to start to see manufacturers pull back on that? Because once somebody gets sued for a butt ton of money, like once McDonald's got sued for scalding that woman, you know, in the eighties, hot coffee. Yeah. You like, can't get hot coffee anymore. Everything's yeah. like 180 mm-hmm. degrees or lukewarm
0: coffee. coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta like, be honest. Uh, I mean, to question about it, like, are people just going to start getting sued? I, I think that what, what, Tesla did with the the naming of the products that they're offering, whether we're talking autopilot, enhanced autopilot, or full self-driving, I think that they have gotten away with calling it something that in on one hand, autopilot makes it sound like you can just let it go and it's fine, which is obviously not true and it's caused problems. And by problems, I mean people have died that have misunderstood the technology. And and Tesla has been sued. And I, you know, I and, and frankly, yeah, that to me is an example of there should be some regulation around how it's described. Germany, for example, came after Tesla and said, you just can't call it that. Like, you, you can't. And, and so I think we'll inevitably see something like that here in the States. But to be honest, Tesla, they, they were very um, – they were the leaders on this. They, they got people thinking about it, talking about it. Um, give them credit for that. But how they've gone about it with you know doing beta testing essentially within the public sphere – that was, you know, not by, by you talk to many people that are experts on this in the industry, um, they will say, yeah, that was not responsible. Um, and, it, and it's caused a lot of problems. I think that the legacy brands, you know, automakers such as, you know, Volvo or Nissan, like Nissan's pro pilot GM and super cruise. I think they have gone, um, they've gone about it in a much more uh, conservative fashion as to not over promise under deliver and also make sure people understand that it's, it's an additive feature, but you are still driving this car yeah. there. There is an emphasizing that I think that they did the right thing with that. Um, and so in turn, will, will the lawsuits that Tesla's, you know, being, um, you know, faced with right now, is that going to impact or cause other brands to maybe, you know, take a step back or think, think things differently? I think that the other brands were already being more uh, conservative and right about it. I think they were being safer about it and how they present it and how they, and how they tell people how the product works. Um, so that's my opinion. I, I don't I don't think it's going to necessarily impact negatively on the other brands just yet.
1: So last question on this. Do you think that the next generation Tesla is going to be full self-driving, you know, uh, version Charlie or whatever? Because whatever comes after beta? <laughs> or do you think they're going to solve this problem by having the Optimus robot physically sit behind the wheel? <laughs> they're and drive just
0: going to throw in a Tesla bot and be like, here, there's yeah, your... to throw in a bus Tesla
1: bot and be like, okay, he's going to drive now. You can call him Jeeves and be like, Jeeves, take me to school. <laughs> do it.
0: I, I, I think what's going to end up happening uh, is again, you know, full self-driving in quotes has been promised uh, for now years and it did not happen because it is also insanely difficult. I think what we're going to end up seeing is that there will have to be, um, you know, some backtracking by Tesla to say like, this is what the technology can actually do. But, you know, do I think they're going to do that? No. I think that should they probably, because there are a lot of customers that, that, for example, leased model threes in 2018, with the intent of or even bought them or bought multiples with the intent of having this fleet of autonomous taxis that they would make money off of because they were told they'd be able to do that. And here we are, you know, four years later and oops, you know, so there will inevitably, I imagine something will happen where they're going to have to just basically take ownership of the fact that it has not been uh, forthright with, with the public. Exactly, so, exactly. yeah,
1: well, you know, we've got all this kind of stuff, uh, coming up, we're going to be in Miami. I think in two weeks, ten days now, something like that. It's going nice. to be here before we know it, dude. That's going to be cool. We're going to be riding jet skis, well, personal watercraft that are <laughs> electrified.
0: There you go. There I don't you think go. the
1: jet ski brand is going to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's going to be fun. We'll have the flight boards out again. We'll be on the beach. It's going to be a great time. Going to be at Regatta Park. If you're in South Florida or Central Florida or North Florida, from the, the East Coast, ride. come it's on rainbow. down. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be, you know, all all the cool stuff that you want to see at the boat show without the insane, the insanity of the Fort Lauderdale boat show. It's going to be great. So um, we're also going to have, obviously, the e-bikes, the motorcycles, the cars. It's going to be a good time. And then the month after that, November, we're going to have Industry Day. In the time that it took Matt Teske and I to come up with this idea, we've already put the whole thing together.
0: Honestly, it's it's pretty amazing how it all panned out. It,
1: It really worked out. Alex was furiously typing in the background. That's our new producer. Don't edit this out. If you go over to electrify expo.com slash industry day, you'll get all the information there. You'll see who's going to be a part of it and how you can be a part of it as well. uh, If you're listening, so tune in for that.
0: Thanks for listening to the electrify podcast brought to you by the creators of electrify expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.